Happy New Year! What is up? And welcome in. We are back. It's 10,000 Pitches, a podcast about everything Minnesota soccer and beyond, presented by our good, good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. My name is Jeremy Rushing, here for episode 73, and where would I be without my co-host, fellow Minnesota soccer, uh, I don't know, fellow passionate member of the Minnesota soccer community. There we go. I was trying to think of an adjective, and one did not come up, so I had to switch it up, Dom. It's Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dominic, how you doing? I'm doing uh, fantastic. It's great to uh, to be back doing this after a, a a needed break, but but one that I'm yes. also glad is coming to an end. So yes. yeah, looking forward oh. to talking some news. Yeah, Christmas break. Yeah, it was needed, but at the same time, it was very very busy. It's one of those things where it's like. You're, you're kind of a, have a break, but especially when you have kids, it's, it's, sure. it's really not a break. It's actually less of a break than you normally get. Especially when one of your kids gets stomach flu on Christmas. Oh, no. It's no bueno. No bueno at all. That's right. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was our Christmas. We were still able to have like an abbreviated Christmas, but... Yeah, so that was that was a little rough, but we got through it. And then, of course, like four days later, I get it. So yeah. that was fun. And it was like Wednesday last week uh, was a rough one for me. So, yes, Christmas break was not so much a break because <laughs> it was just, yeah, I was just getting sick, I guess. But we're here. We're standing. We're good. We're COVID-free for now. Knock on wood. So uh, there we are. Uh, but we do have a stacked show today. Um, special guests coming up. Really excited about this conversation. Uh, MN Woso represented on the show this week. Their head coach, Nicole Lukic, recently named head coach and a board member slash co-chair of the coaching search, Andrea Carol Frank. Both are joining the show. A uh, really good conversation about the coaching search, about everything happening with Minnesota women's soccer. So really, really excited for you to hear that conversation in just a little bit. We're also going to go over at the end of the show, our top four most breakable New Year's resolutions. We all have resolutions, Dom. Most of them are breakable. Which ones are the most breakable in our opinion? You will hear that at the very, very end of the show. So stick around for that. But as always, we're going to start with the headlines and we're going to start with Minnesota United. Now, up until Tuesday, Dom, it was all people going out the door from Minnesota United. It was all exits. Uh, Ethan Finley signs with Austin FC. Ozzy Alonso signs with Atlanta United. Jan Gregish selected by San Jose in the MLS reentry draft. Um, I didn't actually did not see Dom. I didn't do my research on this. Did he actually get signed? Because they have to like make like a I don't know what the proper ter- yeah. what the term is. They have to make like a legitimate offer of some sort within a week of the re-entry draft. Do you know, did they make that for him? I was under the same impression as you that the, the, the sort of official paperwork on all that had yet to be um, put through, but okay. uh, so I guess yeah. we'll go with that for now. Cause that's what we're aware of yeah. um, that sometimes that stuff just takes time. So, you know, that, that very well may be in the works and even it might be uh, out by the time this is out, but uh yeah, yeah, as a I mean, recording, I don't think public information about that has has gone out. I mean, and and, and literally googling Jan Gregish, nothing, nothing 
of that nature pops up aside from the fact that he was selected in the re-entry draft. So right, right. we are we are currently in, the, I guess, a holding pattern and, and knowing what his future holds in San Jose or elsewhere. Uh, but the Loons did make a selection of their own in the stage two re-entry draft. Goalkeeper Eric Dick, 2018 first-round super draft pick by Sporting Kansas City. He spent three years there before being selected and signed by Columbus in last year's re-entry draft. Um, he's only made one appearance. That one, and that was, I believe, in 20, it was in 2018 for Sporting KC. Did not go so well for him. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say how, how unwell it went for him. You can go look at his, uh, his his game log if you want to check that out. But that was four years ago. Um, he is a former first round super draft pick. Um, it's, you know, picking somebody in a reentry draft is a very low risk um, option, right? Um, so I don't know to you, Dom, does this continue to signify the end of Tyler Miller in Minnesota, considering that as of now, uh, you have four goalkeepers on the roster with Miller and Dick included. Yeah. You know, goalkeeper is such a funny position when it comes to these sorts of roster building situations, because of course, uh, in case anyone didn't know, you can only play one of them at a time. You very rarely substitute them out for each other. So while the arrival of, of Eric Dick is not necessarily a monumentous moment for me, um, this is, you know, as you noted, this is a player who's mostly done his trade in the USL, um, has pretty limited MLS experience. I, I strongly doubt we'll really see him play much of ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the nature of the goalkeeper position, this very much could be get someone that we can understand in to be the backup so that our backup isn't overly expensive mm-hmm. because Tyler Miller realistically isn't a backup goalkeeper. No, um, isn't. This isn't a youth yeah. move. Eric Dick is 27. He's one year younger than Miller. So mm-hmm. this is, it's not like a, 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 a um, Fred. Uh, I'm blanking on the, on his mm-hmm. last name, but uh, our, our, yeah, our, our much right, our much younger goalkeeper. It's not that kind of move, where it's kind of a development thing. He's twenty-seven. He's not young. Um, but yeah, you know, it, you probably shouldn't have a goalkeeper that you you bought for starter money um, on your bench because of yeah. the way roster building works in MLS. So to your point, yeah, I think this is probably um, a move to better better align the math behind that part of the roster and potentially make a, a Miller exit make more sense so that we have more options than just, um, uh, you know, a, a, a very young kid on the bench uh, yeah. have someone a little more experience, albeit again, not exactly at a high level, uh, but, but, but give St. Clair a little sort of insurance behind him. Um, if he if he does end up being the uh, the starter for the team, so yeah, you know, I I think it, I think it probably does show signs of Miller's exit, but in a very sort of pragmatic way, as goalkeepers tend to uh, be dealt with. You know, we were we were talking three or four weeks ago, Dom, about the the market and about you know what what a move, uh, what what selling Tyler Miller could bring. Minnesota United, what trading Tyler Miller could bring Minnesota United in return. Uh, the market this offseason 
for transfers within MLS is pretty insane. You're seeing allocation money switch hands upwards of more than a million dollars in multiple cases, which is pretty insane and unheard of. So that tells me that, you know, that that market could work in Minnesota United's favor should they actually make the decision to cut the cord on Tyler Miller and allow him to go elsewhere because uh, you kind of have those two those two starters so to speak right now with with St. Clair and Miller. So that'll be interesting. But talking about Fred Emmings, I'm I'm interested in what Emin UFC 2 will uh will do for him because ideally I think you would want him now I've I've heard from people who go to training, from people who are there that that this kid is is good and he would be ready in in normal circumstances to be a backup. But you now have this reserve team option where he could continue to get like not MLS level minutes, but I think minutes at a higher level than what he's getting at the youth level right now. Um so that could work in Minnesota United's favor and having that option for Emmings and then bringing the guy like Eric Dick could again, fill that sort of backup role on the main roster. But that all does does remain to be seen. But the goalkeeper position in and of itself, very interesting for Minnesota United right now. Yeah, and, you know, it is interesting that uh, the Emmings hasn't had, like, a serious loan spell already, the way we saw St. Clair benefit from, from that relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you do wonder what's the plan there. Obviously, uh, Minnesota United 2 presents a very straightforward way of dealing with that. Uh, but to the other point you made, perhaps that's a little lower than the level he should be expected to play. And so maybe a USL championship loan or something like that ends up making more sense. Uh, and, and, and to your point, that also then depends quite a bit on what role Eric Dick is expected to, to play for the team. Um, but... Yeah, it, it certainly provides some interesting questions, uh, maybe fewer answers than questions, but some answers as well as to the direction the team is going. We can, again, start to make some assumptions about what this means for, for other pieces. And like you said, the money moving around right now, I mean, there have been some pretty serious trades made in this offseason just for international spots with, with huge money being moved around. So uh, if the team markets well you can imagine that miller could end up being a pretty heavy piece they moved around and and then that perhaps helps the team with some of the other moves they're trying to make um as we'll talk about a little bit later uh but yeah you know it's been an interesting um uh chunk of the off season here while we've been off from recording a lot of departures that i think a lot of people have mixed feelings about um obviously some developments with this goalkeeping position but there's a lot of other positions now with with Finley, Alonzo, and and Dragush gone, that uh, I think people are going to be very curious about. You know, how is the money that appears to be sort of being built up uh, for? How is that money going to be used when we get uh, you know towards the end of January into February with the the season coming up? Uh, that's going to be a, hu- a huge talking point and one that I'm very uh, interested to see how the team handles. Well, this week we got some uh, news on how Minnesota United is reportedly using their quote-unquote young money, uh, the U22 initiative being utilized for Minnesota United, um, originally reported by Minnesota's 11, want to give them a shout-out, and then Andy Grader was able to confirm that report and wrote a piece for the Pioneer Press earlier this week, confirming that Minnesota United is signing young South African striker Bangakule Hongwani, 
Um, he is 21 years old and thus does fit into the MLS new U22 initiative. Um, a striker is, is something Minnesota United needs. A young striker is something Minnesota United really needs after losing uh, Tomas Chacon. And again, we don't know what his status is going to be with the Loons um, moving forward. But um, I think, you know, I'll, I think kind of everyone is in agreement that this this is a good signing. I don't think anybody expects him to maybe be starting over Adrian Nunu anytime soon. Maybe he will play with the reserve squad at the beginning of the season, or maybe he will play backup striker in the main squad. But either way, um, you know, a good young piece. I caught a little bit of his of his highlight reel as I was prepping for the podcast. He seems like a guy who can really who has a clinical finish, um, brings a lot of energy to the striker position, seems to uh, you know, find those lanes and find those open spaces. So um definitely somebody I think who could be an asset for Minnesota United. The question being, is this a short term asset or excuse me, is is it gonna be an asset in the both the short both the short term and the long term, or is this really just a long term play for Minnesota? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's 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 hard to know any of that now. I I, I do uh, I am very positive about this kind of move. I think that uh, there's a, a lack of um, attention paid by by well, certainly a lot of the footballing world, but but definitely uh, many MLS franchises for the quality that can be found in uh, the, the prominent countries in Africa when it comes to football. Uh, one of which I, I think many would agree is, is South Africa um, at the club level, particularly actually. Um, you know, I've seen a very brief anecdote, but I've seen in my other line of, of football work with Footway English, uh, the, the lead goal scorer for uh, the Venezuelan lead this year was actually a Nigerian Benin um, player who, who arrived this year, um, Samson Akinola. And uh, he completely blew the league open, was an absolutely fantastic player and was completely under the radar. Now, um, well, I'll say that I've heard some very interesting um, words about where he might be headed. And it's a lot of places that you'll recognize the name of. So, um, you know, there's a lot of talent um, in African leagues that, you know, these are players that aren't making that immediate jump to Europe. And so you're not hearing about them, but they are incredibly talented. And uh, I, I think it would be wise for Minnesota to, to try to get in on, on that conversation. Obviously, Minnesota has signed players from Africa before who frequently have not necessarily uh, thrived. I don't think that has anything to do with this, the, the health of the market. I think that simply has to do with maybe poor decisions or, or misunderstandings or just, you know, individual failures along, along various paths. I, I still mm -hmm. think it's a, it's a place to very much keep an eye on. So again, you know, I, yeah, maybe he's not going to have an incredibly active 2022, but I, I, this is the kind of move I do like to see. It's a very young man who's very talented already playing for a sort of mid table team in South Africa, but, but showing a lot of talent. And uh, I'd be really excited to see the team really get behind a young striker and try to invest time and some patience in, in said striker so i i hope that we uh well apparently we're going to see him but i uh mm -hmm. hope that that's all true and and hope that we get to see him up here very soon yeah it'll be interesting to see how minnesota united elects to utilize him and how and, and i think how they 
navigate the remainder of this offseason will play a, a vital role in, in how he is utilized, right? If they bring on another more experienced striker to back up Unu, then you pretty much know that Halangwani is going to probably be more on the reserve side, um, maybe get a few, um, you know, a few roster call-ups every now and then. Uh, but if they don't sign another striker, with Longwani, you only have two. So, I mean, when, when you look at that, you would almost have to maybe bring him on and have him in the in the 18 or the 20 or whatever it is now for, for MLS. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how they continue to navigate the rest of this offseason. Obviously, we'll be following it very closely. But let's transition now down to the lower league where a couple of NPSL North alums are making big waves in the professional soccer scene. First, uh, Dom, from your neck of the woods, you helped us break this for 10,000 pitches um, on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Now, former Duluth FC striker, 2021 NPSL Golden Boot winner, Sydney Warden, scored four, count them, four goals in 80 minutes during a showcase in front of European Football League scouts in England last week, or excuse me, English Football League scouts in England last week. Uh Pretty cool to see Sydney show out on a stage like that. Hard to perform any better than that in front of those kind of uh, those kind of scouts and um, you know with that kind of platform. Yeah, you know this is a uh, while while people who watched him play this summer I, I won't be horribly surprised. Uh, it's still very impressive to perform uh, on this sort of platform, and and this was a, a very serious uh, showcase for him to take part in a majority of the people playing at this showcase were graduates of premier league or uh, English championship level academies. Uh, And the, the clubs affiliated with the showcase, I I don't have the full list, but in the past names that the average person knows from the premier league, like crystal palace or Leeds, um, and more, more, often um, EFL championships sides or league one sides as well. Uh, these are, this is a very serious event with really high level expectations. So four goals is uh, far beyond what anyone would have expected. Uh, he essentially had one of the, the top attacking performances of the entire showcase. Uh, and so, you know, like I, I I think I said last show or the show before at some point that, you know, some of the first stuff that we mentioned about him in Iceland was kind of the tip of a much larger iceberg. And, and this is what I meant. Uh, there's, there's a lot uh, coming down the pipeline in regards to Sydney Ward. And, and uh, there's a lot of people from a lot of places that want to know what he's about. So mm-hmm. certainly expect more excitement and, and certainly expect to uh, certainly expect for Minnesota to and, and parts of England to stop being the only places that know his name. This is going to be a person that very soon is going to be known by a lot more people. Uh, so, and the, uh, as a prestigious as it is, I have a feeling that the MPSL golden boot is going to be uh, w- lost in the crowd of <laughs> accolades. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but uh, yeah, keep an eye on this. Uh, there's a lot of lot of big moves being made and uh, very exciting. Um, more locally here in the Twin Cities, uh, former Minneapolis City standout Ian Smith resigns with Norway's um, Opsal, Opsal IF. He uh, joined late in their 2021 campaign in the fall, signed a new deal with them for 2022. So Sydney Warden, not the only 
um, NPSL North alum who is, um, you know, um, doing good things. Um, and, you know, he's obviously looking to pursue a professional career in England and Europe, um, Iceland. You know, he's, he's having those opportunities. Um, Ian Smith, formerly of Minneapolis City, was actually with them in their first season in 2016, um, entering his first full year um, in Norway. Um, in their in their fourth division, so um, really cool for a guy like him to get that opportunity. Um, and you know, Minneapolis City does have a few alums in in the pros. Um, you know, a couple in MLS specifically with Brandon By and Luke Hawkinson. Um, so again, and just another name to add to that list and continually uh, continuing sort of that lineage of Minneapolis City sort of being being a stepping stone to something to something greater. Right? Um, really cool to see. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, the, the, that's sort of like, um, I, I guess I'll define it as a range from like high amateur to lower professional, um, football across Scandinavia, uh, obviously including Norway, but also Sweden, uh, particularly, uh, that, that range of, of the game in, in those countries has proven to be a, a really, um, positive place for, for folks that do well in, in say the NPSL to, to go and, and at least try their craft and, and, and take a couple of years and see what happens sometimes doing, doing well for themselves uh, for, you know, for reasons that I don't necessarily even know the full list of, but it, it's, it's yeah. just very consistently proven a very good location for that. Uh, you know, there's been players from uh, the twin stars and the Dakota fusion, even some of the smaller teams that in, in the North conference that have uh, done, you know, similar experiments and some, for some of them it's done quite well. So, yeah, obviously great to see uh, Ian doing that for himself and, and continuing to get time on the ball and, and continuing uh, this this journey that he's on. Uh, we obviously hope as many people as possible can can make that work for themselves. And, uh, you know, he's he's in a part of the world again that that we see people quite often do well for themselves. So mm -hmm. uh, hopefully this this season goes well for him and uh, maybe maybe he'll set himself up for an even more eventful 2023. You can set yourself up for an eventful 2022 and beyond if you hit up Stimulus Athletic for your game gear and apparel. Because Minneapolis City, the aforementioned Minneapolis City, utilizes Stimulus Athletic for their kits and they have named their 2022 uh, jerseys. There was a bit of a voting uh, sort of competition with their with their owners with their uh, supporters um, and we have a home and an away kit the home is the magnificent beast kit which is the one with the crow on it and then the away is the static blast which is the lightning one so um, very true to Minneapolis City uh, with the crow and the lightning bolts and things like that um, but these are two really really good looking kits and they, of course, will be made by Stimulus Athletic. They're on sale now, actually. So if you go to um, uh, MPLSCitySC.com or just hit up um, Minneapolis City on any of their social media channels at MPLSCitySC, um, you can uh, check out how to get one of these or both of these jerseys if you want. And, of course, they will be made and manufactured by Stimulus Athletic. Um, now, if you want to be like Minneapolis City, and uh, wear some Stimulus Athletic gear, wear some jerseys, wear some apparel. Uh, go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that Design tab, click that Get Started button, uh, and, and let them know that Jeremy and Don from 10K sent you, and get that process started. It's free to just start the process, have that conversation 
Execution. So many great clubs, not just Minneapolis City, but if you're talking locally, Joy Athletic, Flora FC. If you're talking nationally, Tulsa Athletic. If you're talking internationally, you're talking about the Anguilla national team uh, and so many more. Utilize Stimulus Athletic for their game gear and apparel, so you should too. Go to StimulusAthletic.com, click that design tab, that Get Started button. Let them know. Jeremy and Dom from 10K sent you. All right, interview time on 10K. Really excited for you to hear this conversation. Really good one with Minnesota women's soccer head coach, Nicole Lukic, and board member, Andrea Carroll Frank. We'll be back afterwards with our top four most breakable New Year's resolutions. So stick around. All right, it is now time to welcome in two individuals who are playing a major part and why I consider to be the most exciting thing happening in Minnesota soccer right now. It's MN Woso co-founder and board member Andrea Carroll Frank and head coach Nicole Lukic. How are both of you doing tonight? Thank you so much for joining the show. Doing well. Thanks for having us. Doing great. Thanks, Jeremy. Of course. Absolutely. Um, so before we get into what's happening currently with Minnesota women's soccer, all of the storylines, kind of all the all the momentum that you guys have as we lead into this inaugural season that's starting in May. I kind of want to, for the audience that may not be familiar, um, kind of introduce you two individually. So Andrea, you're involved in a number of organizations in and outside of soccer around the Twin Cities, Boys and Girls Club, uh, Like a Girl, Monarch FC, and more. Um, Obviously, soccer is a passion of yours, but how did you get involved in this Minnesota women's soccer project specifically? Yeah, so one of the beautiful things about what we've done is uh, when we say that it's just a group of regular people, it really is just a group of regular folks. Um, So I got connected to this through Matt Pervatsky, one of the other co-founders. He's also pretty locally connected here. He does a podcast and runs Equal Time Soccer. Um, Matt had come to uh, some of the futsal tournaments that we'd done for Monarch FC. We actually briefly crossed over in college, so there was a a little connection there. Um, But he was like, hey, I have this idea we're going to meet at this local brewery. Do you want to come? I was like, sure. Right. And then, you know, looked around the table and there were all of these other folks who were equally invested in this idea who were like, yes, we really, really want to do something here. Um, you know, it seems like rocket science, uh, but it hadn't really been done before. Right. But a, a team that is for women that centers women and that really centers players. Right. I'm a longtime coach. I've been in the community and played soccer for over 20 years. And I was like, if only I had had this, right? Um, so yeah. it was just really, really thrilled to to get asked to be on the kind of idea team. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're here and it's real. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when was this initial meeting? Because I actually, today, we're recording on Tuesday, I saw a fellow co-owner, Wes Berdine, uh, tweeted something like, you know, he was you know kind of reminiscing and he said, you know, this all started with a meeting at a shuttered brewery. How long ago was this initial meeting kind of with this idea? That is such a great question. I honestly probably have to look at my calendar, but it must have been like March or April of the beginning of COVID because the breweries had closed. It was still kind of cold. Everyone's like, what do we do? Are we outside? Do we do inside? Like, how does this work? And so it was right from the beginning. And I think that was literally the first time we met in person and then everything was online until we launched uh, June in 2021. Just a weird, weird world we live in. Yeah. Speaking of weird, you know, I, I hear this a lot from some of these clubs who said, actually, you know, for all the, you know, obviously the 
the negatives and the the stress and everything involved in this pandemic some of them have said it actually gave us the bandwidth to take a step back and pursue new projects and bring in these new ideas and sort of was, was that kind of the case with you guys did you guys sort of have the space to sort of work and run with this idea because of that or was this kind of already planned pre-shutdown and did that sort of offer some challenges along the way no, it was definitely not planned pre-shutdown at all. Pre-shutdown, it was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, yeah, I'd love to do this. Or I always wanted to do this. But, you know, there are things you have in your brain that's not a real thing. And it really only was, I don't want to say it was because of shutdown, but I know, I mean, you know, every individual had a different personal circumstance, but people just having time and, and energy around this to just dedicate to it, right? We all know, right? This is a, a fact of humanity. We are more likely to give our time to things that we care about, things that we love. So I think it was, hey, there's this idea that people are really latching onto. Folks did happen to choose time and have time to give to it. So I really just think it was a, a, a an odd blessing of the circumstance that has really allowed us to, to be here at this time. Nicole, I want to bring you in here. You have a long resume of coaching experience, most recently with Twin Cities Rush Soccer Club. You played at UW-Milwaukee. Um, so let's start from kind of that, your, your playing days. Um, obviously, you, you've racked up a, a bit of a coaching resume here, but when did you know that you wanted to sort of transition into a, into a coaching role? Was it while you were playing? Was it after? When did you sort of make that decision in your mind that coaching was the kind of the career path you wanted to pursue? Yeah, for sure. Good question. So when I was playing at UW-Milwaukee, um, I actually developed compartment syndrome in my calves. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's not fun. It doesn't go away and it makes it really hard for you to keep playing. Um, so at Milwaukee, actually one of my former high school coaches, he was coaching at a high school only like 10 minutes away from campus and he asked me to join his staff. And so that's how I got involved with coaching. Um, and then after I graduated, I got a club job and then it kind of just went from there. And I was, you know, I had a full-time job um, in the business kind of world and I hated it to be honest with you. And coaching was my, the best part of my day. And so uh, eventually I got offered the assistant job at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse and moved um, west, west and north a little bit. And that's kind of how it took off from there. Very, very cool. So how did this, um, how did this opportunity for Minnesota women's soccer present itself? Obviously they had the opening for the head coaching position. Um, you probably applied for the head coaching position, but how did you first hear about it? And, you know, when did you know that was kind of, you know, the right fit for you? Yeah, sure. So I was living in La Crosse, Wisconsin up until June. Um, and I knew in May, this past May, I accepted the position with Twin Cities Rush, which is up in Blaine, Minnesota. So I knew I was going to be moving to the area. And some of the community members in La Crosse actually brought the team to my attention and said, hey, isn't that so cool? Like this team's coming and you're moving there. Like maybe you can get involved with it. So that's how it first uh, got my attention. And then I just kind of kept following along with their progress, waiting for them to post the position. Um, and then I knew some people who had connections with people on the team. Um, and I just kept kind of poking them. I didn't know I was interested, went through the interview process. And here I am, super excited. 
that's how you got to do it. I mean, you just got to keep putting yourself in front of them, no matter what, whatever job you want, whatever career you're going for. If you keep putting yourself in front of people, it's going to pay dividends. So Andrea, was that the case? Did she just annoy you enough that you gave her the chance or <laughs> what, what, what made her the right fit for you guys? Definitely didn't annoy us, right? We we were thrilled. We were so lucky to have um, a really strong pool of candidates, right? All kinds of candidate we had international candidates we had local candidates we had lots of men um uh not lots of women in the grand scheme of things right but we were really lucky to actually have a strong pool of women who were competitive um no nicole just really stood out right um it was it was a you know it was it was tight all the way through and when it really came down um to the final decision making nicole really stood out for what you brought with your um with your playing experience with your coaching experience but also the really strong experience you brought from the business side from building things right i come from a world of nonprofits and youth development right my current job with public allies like a person who has to start things from scratch is a very different breed of human than someone who comes in with like rules and steps and follow this list. Uh, we are growing. We're starting a club from scratch. We're a bunch of regular people like doing a group project, right? This is a glorified yeah. group project that is an opportunity to be something really, really cool. And we knew we we needed someone who knew how to do things, who knew how, who knew the game, right? Who knew everything about soccer. That's a given, right? Everyone who came through was like, yes, we're not concerned about the soccer stuff at all, but someone who can fit into our team, who has the right energy, who's vibing with us in the interview, who knows how to build from scratch, who doesn't need direction, who can like think of things on their own, go after it, come back and be like, ta-da, like that's what we needed uh, when we, you know, at, I mean, that's still what we need, right? It's kind of what we need for a long time, but we're just so privileged that Nicole picked us to apply to, right? Picked us to join our team, um, you know, because it really, really is a, a perfect fit. Honestly, Nicole, we're truly thrilled to have you. Thank you very much. That is really cool. Um, so Nicole joining you on the staff, uh, Dixie State assistant coach and former U of M standout Jenny Clark, along with Hamlin University head coach and also former Gopher, Jen Larrick. Uh, Nicole, how much did you know about these two prior to taking the role and how have kind of those early um, coaching staff conversations, what have those been like? Yeah, so I didn't know them at all, to be honest with you. Um, but as soon as I met both of them, it was a no brainer. Um, they have really good experience on the field, uh, playing and coaching. They have different personalities. Their personalities are different than mine, which I really appreciate. I think we're going to complement each other's strengths and weaknesses really well. Um, we've been talking on a weekly basis every week, you know, we're gelling even more. So it's exciting. Um, you know, Jenny comes from a very high playing background, which I think is going to be attractive to a lot of players that join our team, her experience overseas, which a lot of our players are looking to do at some point. So that's going to be really useful. And then Jen, you know, she's working in the local college scene. So that's also really attractive because she has connections um, already built. So I think the three of us are, you know, we're excited and we're checking off boxes every day. Andrea, um, you know, what made, what made Jen and Jenny sort of the, uh, the right ones to compliment Nicole in the, in that role? I mean, aside from uh, everything that Nicole's laid out so far. I mean, right. Like you said, second to everything that Nicole said. So they actually also both applied for the head coach roles and interviewed really, really well. We actually, we had a top four um, that we were looking at and uh <laughs> 
Matt, the, Matt Pervasky, right, the other gentleman who co-led the surge with me, we were going around and around and around and around because the three, Nicole, Jen, and Jenny, are so different, but they're all great. And I would kept having this, like, in my heart of hearts, I was like, okay, but, like, what if we pick Nicole? And then what if she likes Jen and she likes Jenny? And wouldn't that be the greatest? And never in my, like, honestly, right? And never in my wildest dreams that I actually think that that would work, right? When you're in the coaching mm -hmm. world, you have trusted people, particularly, I guess, like, Nicole, I can't speak to your experience, but like, you have your people who you trust and that's it. It's a very small world, right? There aren't, you know, it's very difficult to get support. If you have women or people in your corner, like, these are my people and these are my people I need to have. So we truly expected her to walk in you know with with coaches i know you do you do have a number of coaches in your back pocket but you know they weren't able to join us for this experience but jen and jenny just really bring a, a wealth of experience and knowledge Jen, you know, with her background as a youth worker uh, and coach that just brings a different level of engaging with player, right? Her level of uh, understanding the game and coaching experience. So much of what Jenny talked about in her interview was, and Jenny, right? All American at the U was like, when I jumped to the next level pro, I felt like I got hit by a truck. And when I went to the Bundesliga, that was like a whole different level. And we're sitting there being like, how do we expect players to make that jump if someone like Jenny thinks that it was a huge jump, right? So really, really having the opportunity to bring on someone who has firsthand lived that experience to be like, this is not a drill, right? If you really want this, I can help bring you to, to you know, do those steps and, and make sure it actually happens. So like Nicole said, just it really, really complements the soccer side, the business side, and making sure that we can provide sort of a whole player experience for the women that come choose to play with us. Let's talk about that a little bit in terms of the the potential players that you guys could bring on the roster. What are you guys hearing from, you know, coaches, uh, colleges, players in the area that sort of the new option that this provides them for summer soccer, right? You, before this, you have the, the clubs in the WPSL, which is a great league. But a lot of those clubs, most all of them are, are, are pay to play scenarios, right? You have to pay your, your fee to be able to play on the team. This a little bit different, um, you know, uh, talking with Matt at the very, very beginning of this, um, he mentioned that, you know, that's kind of something that could attract some of those, a lot of those higher level players in the area is simply the fact that they don't have to pay to play summer soccer. Um, are you guys kind of getting that same excitement level and that same sort of vibe from the, the people that you're reaching out to and talking to in the community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit it right there. We are totally invested in making this experience 100% about the players and the fact that there are no barriers to, to entry is just amazing. Um, I can remember when I played summer soccer and the fees ranged greatly from a couple hundred to a couple of thousand. So depending on your background or, you know, what your situation was in the summer, that was not easy to do. Um, as a player and then sometimes players have to work on top of that too mm -hmm. so we're really excited that these players are not going to have to pay and we're also excited to invest in them in other ways like helping them get jobs if they need it uh, running camps doing other things that might be in their major line at, at school um, so we're really looking at all ways that we can invest in the players not just on the field but off the field as well Andrea, are you having, you know, conversations with some of these, you know, colleges, clubs, players, coaches, et cetera, um, about sort of the model and, and what are you hearing from them? If it's, if it's different than what Nicole said. 
Nope. Generally the same as what Nicole said, right? I try to stay in my lane, having little low key conversations with folks I know, but I think really people are just excited to be centered, you know, like yeah. um, it's the same conversation that the US Women's National Team is having to have, like, and, you know, and, and the, in the, you know, the other pro leagues, what if all I had to worry about was my play and my body, my health and wellness and my future? This is yeah. a real opportunity and one that when we founded this, this was why we wanted the team. Like, what if that were to be the case? Like, yeah. we can just make it happen. And let's see. It's supposed to work, right? It should work. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing that has worked for you guys, switching gears here, is um, the community ownership support that you guys have received. Um, 3,080 owners, I believe, at the final count. Total of $1 million plus raised. Um, Andrea, let's talk expectation versus reality here. I mean, obviously $1 million is sort of a, a goal. I heard it was kind of a benchmark you guys wanted to hit, but, um, did you have, how, how realistic was that goal at the beginning? Right. Was it sort of something that like, yep, we can hit this. Or was it more sort of like pie in the sky? It'd be great if we could. Um, and then if there was sort of a number in your mind that, okay, we'd be happy if we hit this, what was that other number? Yeah, I mean, one million was definitely a pie in the sky. Like this has been <laughs> such a, we are so honored that people are so excited about what we are doing, right? We put a million in like, not as a joke, because that sounds flippant, but like, there's no way. This is a yeah. women's soccer team in Minnesota. It doesn't exist. We're just regular old folk. Like, there's no way that we'll hit it. So as the number sort of ticking we kept being like oh my gosh what's happening this is so cool uh, so we are and and the sheer number of folks right the one of the things i'm most proud of right in and of the community that's supporting us is um if i remember correctly the average investment was 347 dollars right what that tells us is that we don't have big money coming in you know we have mm -hmm. just regular people who are like hey i've got a hundred bucks here i have a couple of hundred dollars here you know a couple of folks at a little bit of a higher level but they're really just regular people who are like i believe in this so much i just want to throw what i can and support this organization um and that is right again it's one of those things where you you like know in your heart and in your mind like people are going to be excited about it but until you actually offer people something that they can join you don't really know um so uh so that was really cool right when we were doing our initial bu initial budget work right huge thanks to all the other co-founders who have skills in those areas you know when we were looking at those budgets um i would say three hundred thousand ish was like okay this could get us through a year based you know we talked to some other clubs mm -hmm. um other usl you know teams across the country some wpsl teams and we're looking at things so that was like okay if we get that like we can get through the first year and kind of figure it out so being able to have an opportunity to just do more things a little bit faster and build our infrastructure more intentionally is really exciting about the exponential growth that we can have moving forward Nicole, you had mentioned you had followed the club prior to, you know, applying and, and entering the, the, the coaching candidacy. Um, so you obviously knew about this community ownership um, structure and the campaign, uh, but what's it like sort of stepping into the head coaching role of a club that just has so much community support, literally community support behind it? It's been super cool, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm not much of a social media person, but I do have a, a Twitter account and the day that my that the coaching staff was announced, I I gained maybe 250 followers, which was you know 249 more than I had before. 
<laughs> so that alone tells you that, you know, people are excited, they're paying attention. Um, and it's good. It also, I think it's going to put pressure on myself and the staff in a good way to, you know, make the most of the season because we're going to have more eyes on us than any other coaching staff in the league, most likely. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big talking point, right, for any any of your games is how much, you know, literal community money that you guys have behind you from the, again, as Andrea said, as Andrea said, the working people, people, just everyday people in the community. Um, just incredibly awesome to see that uh, play out the way it did. Um, I know, Andrea, there was even more demand for community ownership stake, and, and you had a wait list at one point. A lot of people who wanted to support uh, maybe late in the game haven't yet gotten the chance um, is there going to be another round of community ownership availability or is there, is there any additional clarity on that? Because I, I saw something after it initially closed that there might be something in the future. Any any clarity on that situation at all? So shares cap out at one million, like legally you're not allowed to sell anymore. Again, it, in, <laughs> in our wildest dreams, it never occurred to us that we would go over. Yeah. So that's not even something that we had planned for, um, you know. It's always an option in the future, um, but I will say it's not something that we have had any bandwidth to think about. We were so overwhelmed with support that that alone is a huge piece of work. And then, you know, it's been a sprint since we started, but it's still a sprint to, like Nicole said, right? We really want to make sure that our that the season is good. And so the focus, at least for the next, you know, seven months is getting ready to make sure that the fan experience, the player experience, and all of the experience of everyone who's watching us around the world um, you know, is, is a good one. So I never say never, but it's certainly not, some, it's not on anybody's task list at the moment. Fair enough. You guys have a lot of preseason stuff as we get ready for May uh, to get ready for us. So that's totally understandable. Um, so let's talk about one of those big preseason things. Uh, it's the branding. It's the name. We're down to three. We got Arctic, Minnesota, Minnesota, Aurora, and Minnesota Foxfire um badges branding for all three which you can find if you haven't seen them you're living under a rock on any of minnesota women's soccer social media at mn so um do we have a timeline here andrea on when we can expect an official name to be announced announcement should come out sometime late january um we okay. just had a meeting about it uh we are currently reviewing code of protocols and looking to maybe make some adjustments um so that everybody is safe and so that has adjusted uh we did have a date but i'm not going to say it anymore because <laughs> we want to make sure that everyone feels safe participating in what we're doing so late january is the goal all right looking forward to that um nicole gonna put you on the spot here which one's your favorite I honestly don't have a favorite. Um, yeah. I'm just really excited about the colors. Honestly, I like oh, yeah. I like the colors of um, Arctic and Aurora probably the best, but um, I think all the designs are pretty dope. So I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, the the color schemes, the badges, the branding, the designs are all A plus. So no matter which one you guys end up going with, it's going to be a, a fantastic look. Uh, definitely. Um, so as we inch closer to the season, there are a few things that obviously need to happen before we get there. Um, one of those is obviously building a roster and I'm assuming now that the coaching staff is in place. We're on the fast track to learning some of the names of the players who will be taking the field in the inaugural season, which kicks off in May. Uh, but Andrea, you guys are having a tryout this weekend, correct? Yes. That's Sunday, on Sunday, Sunday, January right? 9th. Yep. 
at the TCO Sports Garden. Cool. And this is open to, you know, college players um, and, and any any adult players interested, um, any prerequisites needed to, uh, you know, participate in this? Right now, we currently have it open to anybody. Um, only prerequisite is to be a female. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, come on down. We still have a couple open spots. Uh, we will probably cap it for space if it gets too full. But right now, we, we do have a couple open spots. Um, but a lot of interest. And, yeah, we're excited. And I actually yeah, might also definitely. just add, right, it is a, it's a women's team. So it, it's just a requirement that folks are interested in, in participating in the women's team. Yeah, absolutely. And then they can, they can sign up on the, on the website or to go to your social media and it's, it's all right there, right? Yep. The registrations, we, we will certainly be having multiple tryouts or other tryouts moving forward. Um, Nicole, just when she came in right away was like, we need to try and capture if there are any players who play out of town and they're here um, during their college winter break. So this is the first one. And then we're looking forward to having an opportunity to do more marketing, you know, and, and make sure we're getting the word out so that anyone who wants to try out, um, you know, has, it feels that they have an opportunity to, to be a part of our space. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I thank you guys so much for the time. Got kind of a, just one or two more questions here. Um, in addition to building a roster, um, you know, people are going to be interested in hearing some of the other details, such as, you know, the stadium you'll play in and, um, you know, a few of those other, other things. Um, obviously we still have about four months and change until the season starts, but as far as solidifying some of those, those other things that you may be making announcements on, do you guys have a timeline for that specifically? We don't have specific timelines, right? Everything is as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> really, like I said, everything is a sprint. So we are doing as, you know, working as quickly as we can to get decisions made, to get things finalized. Um, and, you know, we will announce as soon as things are able to be final. We truly, you know, everything is like six projects mm -hmm. all at the same time. And so oh, we only have five months. Yeah. We have a lot of exciting conversations going on and hopefully some of them will be wrapped up soon so we can announce sooner rather than later but yeah awesome well minnesota women's soccer head coach nicole lukic and co-founder and board member andrea carol frank thank you both so much for the time where we're waiting on pins and needles for not only the name the brand but also all those other details as as players get announced and those other details get announced um we're, we're looking forward to it and cannot wait for the season to get started in may and i'm sure that we'll be talking to you guys again uh, very soon. Thank you both so much for the time. Thank you. Huge thank you again to Nicole and Andrea for joining the show. And again, Minnesota Women's Soccer won't be the last time we talk about them or to them as we head closer and closer to that season kicking off in late May. But now it is time to end the show with our top four, as we always do. And this time it is the top four in light of the new year and a lot of a lot of people um, you know, coming up with new New Year's resolutions. Um, you know, not too many people, I think, actually keep their New Year's resolutions. So we're going to go with the top four most breakable New Year's resolutions this week on the show. Um, now, we each have four. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to alternate. I believe I went first last time we did a top four, Dom. I don't know that for a fact, but I believe I might have. But we're going to roll with that. So that means you get the honor of going first this week. All right. All uh right. Uh, quick intro to my list is just that my the inspiration for all four of mine were 
if these are just general things that people put as resolutions, but I also themed them as things that I vaguely thought of as resolutions and immediately failed within the first weekend. So uh, <laughs> there, there, there's an element of this that is a narrative about me, and you can choose to ignore <laughs> that, but, but they also are just common things. Um, okay, where do I want to start here? Uh, I'll actually do my second one first because it's, it's, I think it's a softer entrance to the list, uh, which was get better sleep. Uh, I've, I've always been a person that kind of roller coasters with, with my, uh, the amount of sleep that I get uh, mm. in a not so great way. And you always every year think about those kinds of things and you say, oh, I'm going to fix them. I'm going to, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm going to do this with my alarms. I'm going to do this with the... Uh, uh, melatonin, you know, things people take for, mm. for sleeping, all these different things. And uh, I pretty much immediately, I, I, well, New Year's Day, the morning of New Year's Day onward, I've just woken up early at ridiculous times every, every day uh, and gone mm. to bed late. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm not going to do that. I know it's not a full weekend, but uh, the the you know the the wind test the lit the finger the wind test is that uh, that is going to brutally fail for uh, the uh, the twenty fifth year in a row so uh, cheers to that but yeah that's my number one <laughs> it's tough because usually when you're when you're heading into the the new year you're coming off of like some sort of like winter break Christmas break whether it's from school yeah. or work so maybe you're sleeping in a little more your sleep schedule kind of gets thrown off so all of a sudden just jumping into like, oh, I'm going to get better sleep. I'm going to go to bed earlier and I'm going to do all this. It's tough. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And it's tough to, uh, tough to, to break that and get into a new, uh, new sleeping pattern. So totally agree. And I'm with you, man. I, I roller coaster my sleep. Obviously having kids doesn't help, but it's like one day I get, you know, three or four hours. And so the next day I just go to bed at seven o'clock and get like 14 <laughs> hours. Right. So and the, right, but then right. it's, like, it's like that same pattern over and over again. So uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, I'm going to go with diet for my first one. I think everybody at some level, I think this is one of the most popular new year's resolutions. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a diet. Now I think a lot of people like, like there are, there are levels to this, right? So I, I the reason why I say diet, I don't mean like, Hey, I'm going to cut out soda or like, you know, I'm going to cut out, you know, sugar. Like that is something I think is a little bit more realistic and a little bit easier. Um, you know, I'm talking like, I'm not going to have a carb in 2022. Like, or <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm going to eat nothing but kale salads from here, you know, for the rest of the year. It's like, no, yeah, that's not going to work because what's what what's in a month? Super Bowl Sunday is going to come around. Oh yeah, there you go. And, and you're you're going to dip into that buffalo chicken dip, and you're going to go back for seconds, thirds, and fourths, and you're going to have a a brat or two or a burger or two, and you know, that charcuterie board, you're going to, you're going to dig into about 27 crackers and cheese. So, uh, you know, that, that diet isn't going to hold up if you put too much expectation behind it. If, if you say, okay, I'm going to cut out this one thing, like, okay, that's a good start. But if you, if you think you're going to go full crash diet, no carb, whatever, probably going to crash and burn real quick. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's always tough. And, and I, I think you're, you're, your the point of all that was probably very true which is that the key is probably to not be overly uh overly strict with your expectations especially if you're starting from the the, the point of just kind of being a normal person living a normal life you're not already like a athlete or you know whatever um yeah you know everyone everyone has that moment 
when it hits New Year's, you're like, I'm going to look like The Rock this year. And then you remember that the, the Rock literally is like making money for being shredded and you're not. So it's definitely not going to happen. Um, my, my second one is, is sort of in a similar vein to yours in that it has something to do with kind of with diet. Um, mine is, uh, and, and I want to preface this with that. I don't think that this is like a huge problem that I have, but uh, although this is what people with this problem say about themselves, but I always feel like around New Year's, you kind of think like, oh, maybe I should take an easy on like, like, like drinking beer or those sorts of things. Like, mm. you know, it's not a part of the diet conversation really. And, uh, and I'm not a person that I, I, I remember, I think it was during the pandemic. I went like six months without having any alcohol and I was like, oh, well, that's, that's cool. And I actually felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, during that, that felt very positive. But then you always say that, and then of course, like in the first two days of the year, <laughs> you got, you you're at you're with these you with people and all you're doing this stuff, and then you're pretty mm-hmm. quickly like, yeah, I don't think that uh, I don't think that all that budgeting I was going to be doing is going to happen. I think I'm just going to be a, a a normal person for another year, um, <laughs> which is fine, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, it's like you're saying when you're the diet thing, and you always have this this idea of where you're going to get to. It's like you always mm. have that with 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 all the different things you consume. It's like you think like, oh, I'm gonna achieve these things, and then a couple like a week, and you're like, nah, I think I'm 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 still just a person. I'm still just a person. Yeah. I'm gonna do the things people do. I'm still me. It's like yeah. that. Like that. It's always like that New Year, New Me gif where it's I don't know if you know the wrestler Sting, but he's got the Sting mask over his face yes, and he takes yes. off the mask. And it's just. Like, <laughs> Like yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. You think you're gonna be some sort of different person, really? In reality, you're still you. I don't watch okay. wrestling, and that's still my favorite GIF it's, of all time. It's a fantastic GIF. It's an amazing. It's GIF. the I'm best thing. And I, I absolutely love it. But uh, you know, I agree. I think again, I think it's all about moderation, right? I think I right, think that's kind right. of what we're getting to. It's it's incremental steps. It's not saying okay, I'm gonna cut this this thing that I crave, right? Whether it's diet. Whether it's a food, whether it's, you know, a, a beer at the end of the day, whatever it is, this thing that I crave, I'm just going to cut it out completely right off. Right. It's like, no, that, that's usually not, not how it works. So, um, yeah. no, I, I, I totally get it. And I'm, I'm right there with you. Cause usually, usually New Year's Eve, you wake up the morning after and it's one of those, I'm never drinking again moments. So all of a sudden it just makes sense to make that a new year's resolution that I'm not going to drink yeah, in 2022. Right. But in reality, after, after a few, after a week, maybe two, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, let's, 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 right. let's crack open a beer. It's been a stressful week. Let's crack open. A beer. Right, so, right. Yeah. All right. My number two, reconnecting more often with distant friends this is very specific but like i don't know we all have like whether we moved away from home or whether we don't you know whether we have college friends from another part of the country or the world even we're always like i feel like new year's is always the time like oh i'm gonna do better at like you know me and my friends we're gonna have facetimes like once every week you know or like you know something like that it's like i'm gonna call them like i'm gonna call them every week we're gonna have like a standing phone conversation right and it's like, maybe you do that for a couple of weeks, but you're still a person and you have a life, right? Like whether it's you're a parent with kids or you have a, you know, it's just your job and your career and things you do on the side and, you know, the friends and the people that you have close to you, like it's okay to sort of not always be connecting with everyone. 
right? I think there's this inherent guilt that comes with like, oh, this person I was really good friends with almost 10 years ago, I haven't talked to them in a few months. And it's like, well, that's because you're living life. You're, you're living your own life. You're, you're doing things. You're, you know, you don't necessarily always have the bandwidth to be able to be always be thinking about those people and calling and texting those people all the time, which is fine. But I think we get this unrealistic expectation around the new years that like, nope, we're gonna, we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna reconnect with all these people and we're gonna continue to connect with them and talk to them and, uh, you know, not lose touch ever again and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's not realistic. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I remember often, I imagine to some degree you felt the same at the time, like when you're like, let's say 16 and you like see maybe, maybe it's uh, your parents or maybe it's like in media or whatever you see people dealing with this. You always think, or I always thought, like, how does that happen? Like, why, how could they stop talking? Like, because when you're in, like, high school, for example, in college, too, or, or younger than that, uh, you'd, like, talk to your friends like, every day, especially once phones are around. You see them every all day. The time. Yeah, Everyone in your circle. You see them and you talk to them every single day when you're it's in constantly. Yeah. And, uh, and so when you're, like, in that, it seems very impossible that that would ever happen to you. And I remember, like, think having you know, leaving high school for college was having those same thoughts, like, oh, that's there's no way that's gonna happen. And then you blink, and all of a sudden, it's like four years later, <laughs> and you haven't <laughs> talked to half of them. And I was like, oh, and, and you just kind of have to have that realization of, like, oh, okay, I think I misunderstood what being an adult is like. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really understand that this is a thing that just happens to everybody. And I, I tried to avoid it. Like I have like uh, some like group chats with like chunks of my high school friends and so on and so forth. Try to stay in touch. But even with that, even with, as a person that's like thinking about it, I'll still be thinking about it. Then I'll realize that my thoughts started a week ago and I didn't do anything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oops, you know, I guess I should say something now. And yeah, it's just one of those weird things. Um, thank God that we have technology that at least allows us to compensate for it a little bit. But um, yeah. but yeah, it's one of those weird things. And yeah, every year I do the same. Okay. It's not like it's a bad thing either. Like you shouldn't feel guilty. Oh, right, right. It's 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 just reality. Keep, it's just reality. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's impossible to keep connection with everyone all the time. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dom. What's your number three? My my third one, believe it or not, will actually connect to what this podcast is supposed to be about, which is suck. <laughs> um, my my yeah. third one is, uh, and I, I'm sure everyone can empathize with this in some way with maybe a different sport even, um, if, if you listen to this and for some reason don't watch soccer. But um, my, my third one is not, you know, getting into that next year and being like overly blinded by the new year and getting overly hyped or overly hopeful about like your team's and having that, to a degree, this happens with the start of a new season. If, if say, you watch like uh, European soccer, and so the the season isn't isn't based on the new year, but but you know, for MLS, same or other American sports, when that new year hits, it just feels like you're all excited about this new year, and of course, everything's going to go well. And I get myself, I catch myself somehow convincing myself that like, you know, uh, all the teams I like are going to win everything. Venezuela is still going to make the World Cup. Uh, Minnesota United is going to win everything. Duluth FC is going to do whatever. Uh, I like Liverpool, so Liverpool is going to do whatever. You know, you do all these things, and you have to catch yourself and be like, nothing's changed since the week ago. <laughs> yeah. In, in the case of American sports, literally nothing's happening right now. 
So <laughs> yeah. you're, you're thinking all these things for no reason. Um, and yeah, I always have to catch myself. I think a lot of people do that. But just, you know, just remember that the, the new year is fun, but it's also not like an actual like change in like space and time. Everything's pretty much still the it's same. It's not like a so. fantasy. It's not like what, what do they what do they do it in, uh, in the video games? It's like, oh, they, they call it a fantasy draft. In the video yeah, games, yeah, right? yeah. every player is on the table, and then you right. just do whatever you want for your team, and then yeah. you're, you're good to go. That's not what happens at the beginning of the year, so for sure. But I mean, yeah. you always get that at the beginning of every season, no matter what oh, sport it sure. is or team you follow. You're like, eh, this could be our year, and then oh, and in my case, <clears throat> Everton, mm. yo, the beginning yeah. of each of the last two seasons has been extremely promising only to fall flat. Now, at least last year, they were decent all the way through the season. This year, I can't even watch them anymore because they're terrible. Yeah. But with that being said, yes, I agree, Don. It's it's very easy to get caught up in the in the hype and in the, the, uh, the, the desire to have your team be a winner. So I get that. Uh, my number three, planning an extravagant vacation. I think it's something we all think about, especially in Minnesota in January. We're like, let's let's get the heck out of here for a while. Let's go to Costa Rica. Let's go to the Bahamas. Let's go to Mexico. Let's go to Hawaii, right? Let's go somewhere yeah. tropical. That about lasts until you see the, the, the plane ticket cost. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll just save my money for the summer and go up north again. <laughs> something like that or maybe we'll maybe we'll go to colorado instead of cabo or you know something like that uh there's always that thing of like oh what do i want to do this year oh i want to go on this really cool vacation i want to go or maybe i want to go to europe for the first time or maybe i want to do this and that and it's like eh, it's not it's not cheap and if you haven't been planning for it for a while it's not something you really unless you you know have the finances yeah no i get that I had just on the on the on the price part of, of what you're saying. I had like a, a thing happen this last summer. It was my um, my five year high school reunion, so the first reunion, and um, so you know I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out you know a way to go, and 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 then I'm trying to figure out um, like a uh, way to st- how where I'm going to stay because my family doesn't live in my hometown anymore. And I'm just thinking about different things and, you know, talking to some people and, and so on. And I kind of tried like, oh, well, you know, what about, what are the hotels and whatever? And just, just checking all my options. And I'm from River Falls, a pretty small town. So, I mean, it's a college town, so it's not a tiny town, but it's, it's a, it's not a tourist location. Yeah. And I'm like, looking at these rooms, I'm like, this is how much it costs to stay in River Falls for a night. <laughs> it's like, what? I did it, you know. And that's just to go to a random college town. Like that's not, you know. That's yeah. That's what you should have done, man. You should have hit up like, uh, you know, the the UW lacrosse like message boards and been like, hey, anybody got a room they want to loan yeah. me for the night? Yeah, exactly. Because, holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know. So yeah, travel travel definitely adds up, especially if you're actually going to a place that people want to go to. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Everyone wants to always do it, of course, but but yeah, there's most of the time it's just it's uh, a little too complicated. All right, fourth and final one, Dom. What you got? All right, my my fourth one is kind of a branch of of my third one, but the difference on this one is that the first three I broke on January first, and this one I broke on January second. Because on January second, 
the Vikings traveled to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And my fourth one is to stop putting any faith in the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> because yeah. even though all our important players were out that game, like literally all of them, for all different reasons, somehow they all managed to be unavailable for a different reason. I still was thinking, oh, well, I don't know. The Packers don't need to win this, so maybe we'll just find a... And it was it was horrible. So uh, as a person who's from the border between those two states and grew up in like the, the heartland of that, ri- that rivalry, that side of the Green Bay Packers fandom, um, that was really rough. I don't even watch a lot of the NFL anymore, and it, I still mm-hmm. watched just about the whole game, and it was just like... Oh boy, the entire time. So, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I say I'm an innocent bystander in the in the Vikings fan. I'm not, <laughs> yes, I'm not a Vikings fan. Uh, so I, I get to sit there with my fiance, who's a diehard Vikings fan, every Sunday, and just look at her, and be like, "You, you, you know how this ends." Yeah. Like, like it ends the same way every time. Like, how do you? Why you've seen this movie before? You've What's really hilarious? Dives and you know how it ends, and yet you still sit here yeah. and, and you put faith and you put your time and effort and energy, and it's just, uh, yeah. It's, what I thought was hilarious rough, man. was that the the Vikings have have famously had a lot of issues with kickers failing in key moments, mm-hmm. and you know field goals that could have won games, etc. And in that game, in I want to say it was the first quarter. We made like an amazing field goal. It was the like, longest field goal. It was the longest January field goal in the history of Lambeau Field. Like fantastic. Like a fantastic. And, and away from, from home, as you just pointed out, like I saw different sports media people um, on social media talking about, like, oh my God, that was amazing. And it's like for that to happen in a game that we then failed to score until like the fourth quarter when we got a consolation touchdown. Mm-hmm. while we're getting slapped around by Aaron Rodgers is uh is like the most perfectly painful thing <laughs> yeah. like for a season that we've literally all season uh, you know especially the first three or four games like there were multiple games we dropped because of uh field goal misses yeah uh like for that for that to happen in that game was almost I almost wish it hadn't gone through because it just felt so mm-hmm. It just well, felt so like, uh, rubbing in our faces, you know? It's like whack-a-mole. It's like you finally whack yeah. the one mole, <laughs> yeah. but then every other mole in the game pops up, and you're just like, <sighs> oh. Yeah. So I think I need to uh, have an intervention with myself about not having so much hope in the in the Vikings every time. But but uh, I probably will fail that one. I mean, Maybe I already kind of did. Maybe we can have yeah. it at U.S. State Stadium. I'll host. <laughs> I'm, I don't have any skin in the game. Yeah. I'll host. We'll get 60,000 Vikings fans once it's safe at U.S. Right. Bank Stadium for a group mass intervention. That's yeah, we're all going to end up still liking them. We're all going to leave and we're going to have our helmets on. and we're gonna... You're, you get, Everyone there is going to buy $150 of the Vikings merch on their way out. That's yeah. What's gonna yeah. So, <laughs> so all right. good. Uh, my number four. Um. I'm a I'm a homeowner now, so I kind of have this one in my mind, but I know it's not going to happen, so I didn't even roll with it as a New Year's resolution. Uh, clean the house more often. I think people or or apartments or condo or whatever whatever type of place you live in, 
Maybe it's your room. Maybe you live in a house. Maybe you live in like a shared house. So it's your room, whatever. People, I feel like the, the, the new year is one of those times where you're kind of looking around you and be like, you know what? We need to do a better job at cleaning this place up. So we're going to clean three times a week. Again, it's the expectation, right? It's like, no, we're not doing this often enough. So we're going to do it all the time. Right. And I don't know. I think, again, maybe start with like, hey, I'm going to pick up this room. Like instead of like once every six months, well, I'm going to clean it up like once every three months or, you know, something like that. Like, <laughs> like baby steps, yeah. baby steps. But yeah, I think clean the house more often. It Maybe it happens for a few weeks and you get to the end of January and you're like, I'm, I'm exhausted. I can't lift my arms because I've been sweeping nonstop for the last month. And this is just not not feasible. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our I've, I've come to terms with the fact that our house is actually never going to be clean. We have two kids and two cats. I don't think our house is ever actually going to be clean. But we do like we have like a two hour block on every Sunday before football starts that we're like, you know what, we're going to do the best we can in this two hour time block. We're we're going to pick up after ourselves during the week and then we're actually going to do some cleaning on the weekend and that's kind of the extent of what we do and i think that's actually a good a good system i have no energy or interest in trying to increase that any further yeah like you said i think i think the 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 leg that that breaks down on that one is always the intensity of it yeah people always have this like we're going to sweep our apartment or our house seven days a week for two yeah. hours. You know, it's always like these like really work. That's the first thing I'm going to do is sweep the house yeah. every day. Like, have you worked eight hours? Do you know what it's like working right. eight hours? It's freaking exhausting. Yeah. And I, I, I already spent enough weeks of my life cleaning every day from being a janitor for three years. <laughs> <laughs> so but but obviously it's good to keep clean but but yeah it's uh you know like you said you gotta have to find that happy medium of enough where you're being like good and healthy about your space um but maybe less enough that you're not you know setting bad expectations and part of it is as you set a bad expectation the moment you fail that bad expectation it all falls apart because now you feel like you failed it and you're just going to give up um so yeah yeah, definitely, definitely another example of of a uh, of a goal that's all about kind of being like realistic and kind of patient. You know, like you said, kind of maybe not three months, but set sort of an, a a nicely spaced. You know, well, we're going to make sure we do this at least once a week, or or whatever, whatever makes sense for what the actual um, activity is. But yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, last couple of years, each each New Year's, I definitely had ideas of how I'm going to like organize and keep my apartment clean, and then two three weeks in it's like oh i forgot to do that oh i forgot to do that oh i didn't do any of it so uh yeah that's a tough one that's another one too i'm gonna organize this and i'm gonna keep it organized yeah i'm gonna keep it organized <laughs> for the rest of the time it's like no you're not no you're no. not it's gonna get disorganized which is again circle of life and then by the, the at the point where you can't stand it anymore that's when you reorganize it and again that's totally fine it's a totally fine system all right I hope you enjoyed the com soccer conversation and uh, New Year's resolution conversation. Uh, thank you so much. 
for joining 10K, for all the support. Uh, we're, we're really expecting 2022 to be a big year. Um, so we thank you to be along for the ride. If you could tell somebody you know about the podcast, that would be awesome. Support our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. Um, they have a lot. They always have a new store popping up in terms of a, a club or a team or an organization who's utilizing Stimulus for some merch. So just follow them on social media, see when those stores are popping up and help support them by buying some of that awesome stuff. Um, my name is Jeremy Rushing. He's Dominic Jose Bazonio. This has been 10K. We will catch you again next week. Have a good weekend, guys.